0: Hi, this is Laura Camacho, and welcome to episode 82 of the Speak Up podcast, and I have a special guest today. Her name is Jocelyn Ring, and she is a corporate brand strategist. She's also an executive leadership coach, and she teaches leadership and communication skills in a very unique way using horses so i am very curious how that works but i've heard amazing things i've even uh some someone i know went through her program with the horses and this person came out with amazing self-confidence and it literally changed the trajectory of her life so that that does happen with uh, programs sometimes And Jocelyn has an MBA from the Stern School of New York University. She is from the Northeast. She actually started her career on Wall Street. And if you ever have a drink with her, I would ask her about those days. She has some interesting stories. But she did escape intact. And she went from New York to Florida to Savannah and made her way to Charleston about nine years ago. I think she moved here, uh, I think, shortly after I did. And she is my first podcast guest, so that tells you that she is not only a top-notch professional, but a dear friend. So, Jocelyn, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Laura. How are you? <laughs> I am fine. I'm so glad to have you. It's exciting. And I appreciate your willingness to be a guest. And I want to know, you know, the audience, y'all should know that we are both introverts. Like mm-hmm. we get together, we talk, we have conversations like once a quarter, because that's all we need. <laughs> we, we don't need to, to talk frequently, but yet, and we are uh, aligned in, in, in that. So, uh, we're not these chatty Kathy type people, but we have what we say is intentional. And we put thought into it and uh, we, we understand, you know, that that whole introvert thing. So, Jocelyn, I know you've worked with a lot of companies in the Northeast and the South and probably the states in between. But tell us about a really challenging conversation that you've had that you think that people listening could benefit from hearing about the train wreck and what you learned and what you would do differently.
1: Uh, there have been many, and I will say this one stands out to me and I like how you call it a train wreck. Cause when it's happening, it just, everything's collapsing in on you, but it's one of the most powerful lessons I've had in my career. Once I was able to crawl out from under the wreckage and take the lesson. So I had been hired to a big strategic rebrand of a company and that entails six months of research and then another six months to, you know, put things together like websites and logos and colors and fonts, all the visuals that come out of that first six months and, um, you know, roll out plans to tell everybody in the community and beyond, like, here's what we're doing and here's our new direction. And one thing that, Um, the CEO wanted to include in this exercise was new materials for the sales team. And, you know, I have my process and I know kind of the capacity of what we can do in these projects. And that was beyond the scope. But wanting to really deliver, um, I said, okay, you know, when we have the rollout, we'll have the all hands meeting and then I'll do some sales training. So lesson one, uh, trust your process, know your process and do not compromise even if you're even if you think you're going to uh, be pleasing your client. so I walked into this team, this room with the very senior level sales executives. Um, the VP of marketing was there, and the CEO was there too. So I have my PowerPoint presentation, and I launched into how You know, it's important when you're branding to have everything aligned and part of that is, you know, the sales materials because that's how we create a consistent brand. So I started rolling through the deck and I was telling the sales team, okay, here's what you're going to use. And this was the first time they'd ever heard anything about it. So I'm looking out at the crowd and if looks could kill, I would have been half dead at that point because they just, They could not believe like who is this branding person coming in and telling us how we're gonna sell <laughs> doesn't know anything about selling and so I'm still trying to you know use all of my communication skills and project you know my confidence and getting buy in but <clears throat> uh I did not do anything beforehand to get buy in so uh then people start raising their hands, and it wasn't you know a question here or there it was you know, who do you think you are? We can't use this stuff. And this is never going to, this is not how we do things around here. And it became very confrontational very quickly. Uh, there was a group in the corner that was having a sidebar and the sidebar got louder and louder. And I could, you know, I was getting insulted. <laughs> wow. Uh, the CEO was seeing everything devolve and I was pretty sure that um uh, despite all the success of the rest of the branding, that based on this, I was going to be fired and run out of town. So <laughs> there was really nothing left to do but uh, kind of wrap it up because we were at time. Thank God, because we had a dinner to go to. So I literally folded my laptop in half and backed out of the room. <laughs> and um, so the there were a couple of difficult conversations that happened in this in this project uh the first of which was with the vp of marketing who was kind of my liaison during this project and she's a very kind compassionate woman and tried to soften it and say oh you know it it wasn't that bad but i'm like all right no it it was terrible so you, can, you don't have to be nice uh, i know what happened and then um she kind of excused herself because the CEO was coming over and this was a man. So I'm six foot one. So I'm not a, I'm not a small gal. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is about six, six and um, very athletic, probably played football in college type build and also very intense energy, uh, which is why, you know, he's, you know, he he can use that, you know, when it's called for in leadership. Um, But also you do not ever have to guess, you know, how he's feeling or what what has gone on. So his energy uh was very big and the so words were, you know, his voice was raised and it was it was very intimidating. And I didn't really have anything to say back because I knew I had royally screwed up. So um that that difficult conversation, my part of it was just to be on the, the receiving end and I knew it wasn't really time to try to defend myself or explain away what had happened. But what
0: was he um, saying to you?
1: Just that I lost control of the room and um, I should have better, you know, maybe I should have done something in the process to, you know, prepare the sales team, which is, which is all true. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I was also not allowed, I was not given the latitude to do that before, so it was it was one of those where it was really difficult because I I wanted to defend myself, but you know, being in the kind of provider to the client relationship, I just I kind of had to take it, and um, it was unfortunate because all the other goodness of the day of this rollout was just completely demolished.
0: <laughs> wow, that must have been so painful. Yes. it hurts to hear about it, but how did you, what did you do next?
1: So, um, I skipped the dinner. There was no way I could show up because I was just emotionally drained and to try to show up when I had really felt that I did not have any goodwill at that point. (laughs) Um, so I, you know, I took what he said and, you know, just, said okay let let me just think and regroup on this Mm -hmm. and I did say I don't think we're dead in the water you know I know the importance of you know this relationship with the sales team and let me just let me just think so I think that's an important thing in difficult conversations too is sometimes when you're in this situation don't feel like you have to resolve it at that moment it's perfectly fine take a time out so that you can just pull yourself back together because it's when it's very emotionally charged you can't your logic and reasoning kind of gets. Oh,
0: only. yes. Well, under stress, the brain yes. literally shuts down, especially yes. the executive function of the brain. So, of course, yes. and then, of course, you, you have it seems like looking, you know, hearing about this, that you have 95% of the project is mm-hmm. great. Yes. This 5% that didn't go well, but yes. mostly it's a missing communication piece, yes. not the work itself. Yes. Yeah, And it's just kind of being blown out of proportion. But that happens in companies all the time that some little thing blows up and throws people off.
1: Well, I mean, you're the, you know, kind of the brain expert here. Don't we have a negativity
0: bias? Yes, we absolutely do.
1: (laughs) As I'm telling this story, I've almost completely forgotten, you know, 18 months of hard work and a fabulous relaunch, you know.
0: Exactly. So you're focusing on the negative, but also you're you're not you're not working at your best. You're yeah. just like kind of the shell shock. Yeah, that is a
1: good way to discuss. So I was shell shocked. So I went home, and um, I think honestly, I just I went to bed that night because so I'm like, if there's nothing I can do now. A good night's sleep will help this. <clears throat> so then, when I woke up in the morning, I realized you know, what I alluded to a little bit earlier is that I knew my process. I knew we weren't going to be able to do this properly, but I said yes anyway, because I wanted to really over deliver. So my first difficult conversation was back to the CEO to acknowledge that, yes, that was a terrible meeting. Um, We probably did take a few steps back, you know, with my trust with the sales team Um, so I said, um, what if I could go back to the sales team? Could you arrange a meeting where you're not there? It's just me. And I go back and I say, is it possible for us to start over? Like, let's, let's forget that meeting and the sales, you know, the, the materials I tried to create on my own. That was not the right way to do it. Let's have a meeting where we get together and you tell me what you need and we can, go forward and co-create
0: and how what was his attitude when you came back to him
1: um he had cooled off a mm-hmm. bit um, yes yeah,
0: so, so he had also overreacted
1: uh, yes he had overreacted um and know i had to restrain myself you know to say that well if you hadn't pushed this forward this never would have happened <laughs> right. So i just i i did not do that and i so i i suggested let's Let's kind of clean the slate and let's start over with the sales team. And he thought about it for a minute and he agreed to make that introduction and see if the sales people would Mm -hmm. be open to it. Well, what salesperson is going to say no to the CEO? Right.
0: (laughs) Right. If you weren't asking for it, it right. That was smart. Yes. So
1: um, I did not do it in that week. I let them kind of cool off and get back to work as well. So I just created a little bit of space for everybody to forget what had happened. And then um, went back to the meeting a week later and the whole team was assembled and the energy was still a little bit off where Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh God, here she comes again. (laughs) But this time there was no PowerPoint. I had no computer. I apologized for, you know, kind of railroading and trying Mm -hmm. to take everything over. And you know In the beginning, everybody was, you know, the body language, kind of sitting back, arms crossed, Mm -hmm. not really open immediately. And I think when I approached with a little bit of humility Mm -hmm. and authentically, like I I like co-creating working together. So, you know, let's do this. And um, they opened up and it ended up being one of the best meetings I've ever had.
0: Ah. That is so cool. I and mean, then because you had worked so much on this project, it wasn't that you were just, you know, pulling something out of your back pocket. Mm-hmm. It's just that they had not been included in it, right? Right. right. So they didn't know. And of course, when people are left out, they they have a negativity bias because nobody asked their opinion. Yeah. It. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Wow. That is so powerful. It just shows, I mean, you showed a lot of courage to go by. Of course, what choice do you have? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, being in business is not for wimps. It
1: It is not for wimps. And, you know, sometimes things are going to work and sometimes they're not going to. So
0: yes exactly and I think what holds some people back is that they they're like I can imagine somebody hearing this and thinking oh my god I would I will do whatever it takes to avoid being put in that situation yes but when you play at the big in the bigger leagues you have to you know that happens people get angry people overreact things happen and you have to just take it like you couldn't you could have started arguing with the guy, but it just would have made it worse, Worse. right?
1: Mm -hmm. No, you just, there are times where you just have to be open to receiving the negative feedback, you know, and just listening. And, you know, there were, there were a lot of, you know, I had to be empathetic to him because it was probably a reflection on him as well.
0: Yeah. I hired this
1: consultant and look at, Look at what happened.
0: Yeah, he's fear, feeling that is making him look bad too. Yeah, exactly,
1: but, uh, right. and and so I think it's so important to have those moments and to be able to recover from them. Because now, whenever I'm going into a meeting, I'm like, oh yeah, remember that one? I survived <laughs>
0: that. <laughs> yes, they say pain is a great teacher, or it can be. Yes, well, thank you so much for sharing that. I know that uh, m- brings back probably a lot of memories, but <laughs> it did end well. Uh, d- do you have another conversation that you could share with our listeners that that had a big impact on your life, mm-hmm. or or something? How um, impersonal or professional? Because my one of my uh, themes is that. That's how life happens. I mean, you have a certain conversation and the next thing you know, you're married to somebody and you can have another conversation and you're no longer married to that person. Or, you know, in a, ba- in a baseball game and the player gets out, he's not really out until the umpire says he is out. So words and conversations, you know, have so much uh, impact on our um lives is really I say that you're the sum of your or the product of your conversations
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you can't think of them why don't you tell us the orange juice story
1: well I, I'll, I'll say I'll say that um, it was it was a difficult conversation when I decided born and bred in New Jersey living right. in New York and I just I'd, I'd had enough and I wanted a different life than New York city provided. So having but, to tell,
0: Jack though, for a minute, cause you were in Manhattan in a way you were living the dream. I mean, working on wall street, living in Manhattan. I mm. mean, for us, you know, ignorant people down in the <laughs> South, you know, according to the stereotype, that's like, those are the people that really know the sophisticated yeah. New Yorkers. So yeah. I will say,
1: I will say it's an incredibly fun place to live in your 20s and 30s. I mean, there's just so much that you can do, and it's exciting and fast paced, but I wanted to be able to ride horses. So, oh, yes. <laughs> it's hard to have your horse in the city and try to balance all that. So, I had to tell friends and family, um, I'm moving. Oh, mm. that's great. Are you, you know, getting a new apartment in the city? Uh, no, I am picking up and moving to Florida.
0: Wow. And you're not retired. (laughs) That was was
1: what people asked. So they're like, Oh, that's where people go to retire. I'm like, yeah, people from up here, but I'm just like lopping 30 years out of that and contracting it down. (laughs) So, I mean, at the time when people live in that area, and especially on the Island of Manhattan, it's like if one of the Islanders decides to venture off, it's almost like flat earth. Like you can't, you can't survive anywhere else what's going to happen oh. to you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So I, It was difficult, you know, to talk to, you know, people that I had worked with and friends and family, especially,
0: but, and, and was it that you were feeling like they were disapproving of your decision and not supportive? Was that, I mean, I think, thinking? I think, you know, we we're, we we're
1: all very close. So right. to put that distance is kind of like, well, how's this going to work? You know, you're not, not here. You're not around anymore. And I was going to miss them, but I just, I couldn't, I could not live there anymore. So that was, that was a difficult conversation, but you never know where life is going to take you. So it took me to Florida because I had a horse and I wanted to be able to ride. And then one job took me to Savannah and living, when I was living in Savannah, I met my husband here in Charleston. So had I not had you know, that conversation to tell everybody I have to go, which it was hard. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have met my husband.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. Well, that, that's, that's a great, that's a, a great story of, of a conversation where you have to break ex- other people's expectations for yeah. you. Yeah. And, you know, we, some of us more than others, you know, we want to fit in. We have our tribes, our families, our groups, and then when you're going to do something like move to Florida from Manhattan, it's definitely breaking the the tradition, the custom, the pattern, and it is hard. And, and again, there are people who don't, you know, whatever their version of moving to Florida is, they don't make the change because they fear that reaction from people and they think, well, if these people mm-hmm. don't approve, don't support me, then it must not be the right decision. Right. That's you know, So you need that interior confidence to just, you know, I, this is what I have to do. And, and I think it's beautiful that your love of horses has come full circle in your life and brought you to Florida, and then now you're in Charleston, and now you're using horses mm-hmm. to teach people leadership and communication. Can you tell us before we wrap up, do you know, just a little bit about how that works? I think it's fascinating.
1: It is fascinating. So, you know, be, being around horses since I was four years old, I've always just known the power of the horse human connection and just what it's like to be around them. It's always been very calming and very grounding for me. So what we can learn from horses is that they have um, an incredible ability to just perceive what's happening around them, you know, because they have to for survival. So they're able to pick up on kind of our energy and what's happening with us. And it's a very... It's
0: like they have intuition or it's like intuition. maybe it's a perception.
1: It's a perception and a, and a sensory. Like they can they can perceive when somebody's outside is not matching the inside. So have you ever gone into a meeting or um, had someone come into a room and they might have a smile on their face, but inside they might be thinking, I don't want to be here. I can't stand these people.
0: Oh, I've been that that person. So,
1: so, you know, you can't really fake it till you make it. There's an incongruence there between your energy and what you're putting on your face.
0: Exactly.
1: People, you know, we kind of have that BS radar so we might pick up on it and you might feel a little bit uncomfortable around that person or
0: without um, really knowing why without I mean, knowing
1: why you yes. get a
0: negative vibe and you think
1: yes know, and you can't figure it out and then your logic and your emotion are trying to figure out like why am i feeling like this what's happening or you know you might just completely dismiss it cuz you don't tune into that sense right. that you have so the horses have that times a thousand so wow. you can tell when that's happening for someone. And then um, as a facilitator, I can ask questions about what's happening for them and they can figure out, you know, if they're kind of stuck in a logic loop about something or um, if they're just not feeling quite right and they can tune into more of their sensory. And it also helps people um, really get clear on who they are and their strengths and get, very confident like the woman that you spoke about earlier so the horses right. reflect things back to them and mm-hmm. then as a facilitator i can help pull that forward and then they have these ahas and insights and they walk away with a right new like, like the
0: transformation literal you know before yes. and after and <laughs> i didn't know what had happened but i saw this huge difference in her yeah. And they and have, attributed you know, it when,
1: when you're with the horse, you're out in a completely different environment. So you have this felt sense of what it felt like when you had that aha. So it's mm-hmm. the physical and the emotional, so it gets integrated. And um, it's not like a leadership coach just trying to reflect things back or teach you about leadership principles. You're learning it from a horse. <laughs>
0: so. I think that is amazing. Wow, yeah. well thank you so much for sharing that. And just before we say goodbye, you know, I'm all about communication and I believe communication is a tool that anybody can use to make their lives better, or the lives of other people better. And I know you're good at visual communication, strategic communication. I mean, you have a different strength set. Um, and what advice or what would you like to leave our listeners with?
1: I think that I would say no your strongest communication style Mm
0: -hmm. and don't
1: think that you have to communicate in a way that you think is associated with success. If you're a prolific writer, then express yourself through words. If you're visual like the the, night that I am, draw a quick doodle to illustrate your thoughts. If you're somebody who is a slower processor, be comfortable with saying, I don't know, and getting back to somebody till you feel like you can you know, pull your thoughts together. If you're great on the fly, then be that very improvisational answer questions immediately. But just don't try to be what you're not. Find that.
0: I love that. I I think that so many times, especially (coughs) like the communication knowledge or that the way communication used to be taught was trying to make everybody into this Oversized, boisterous, yeah. charismatic yes. in the sense of ex- flaming extrovert. Yes. And, you know, first of all, it's inauthentic for some right. of us. And, yep. and it is exhausting to even try to do that. But it's not going to succeed because it's not really you if that's not you. Exactly. so. Anyway, well, thank you so much. I appreciate this. Thank and you. Uh, we will catch you on another time. But thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know our listeners are going, to oh, before, oh, one more thing. How can people <laughs> get in touch with you? Like if they want to uh, try the horse program or talk yes. to you about strategic branding? So
1: um, you can come visit my website, which is the ring effect.com. Or you can also get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Jocelyn Ring and you can find me there and we can get in touch.
0: All right. And you can always ask me and I will tell you. Exactly. All right. That's it for today. Thank you. Bye-bye.